Okay, let's go ahead and get started. Now that you're all therapists, right? Now that you're all massage therapists. Okay, we're going to talk about what is pain, because this is hands-on approach to pain management, right? Pain management is a huge thing in the medical field because a lot of times it got missed. People were, you know, you had good vital signs, your, everything else was good, but a person was in pain. And the doctor would still send them home and say, sorry, there's nothing we can do for you. And people were going home in pain. So pain often falls through the cracks in the medical field. They can go to physical therapy. They can go to, you know, have surgeries and things at the orthopod or whatever. And they end up still being in pain, right? So who's going to help these people, right? We, at Dr. Thomas's, we got a lot of people that were given up on by the medical field. The medical field could do nothing more for them other than prescribe them all different types of medications that zoned them out and they couldn't even function. So pain is a big thing. When you have pain, can you think about spiritual things? <laughs> you know, can you think about other things when you're in pain? I remember when I came back, I was overseas. Yes, I was overseas one year, right after nursing school. I went to a place in Micronesia called Chook Islands then, and they called it Truck Islands. I think it's back to Chook Islands again. And boy, do I wish I would have known massage and hydrotherapy before I went there and the natural remedies, because here I was, the school nurse, and I taught fourth grade. And while I was there, I saw all kinds of things that I look back now and it's like, oh, we could have taken care of that with charcoal. We could have easily taken care of that with some hot and cold. But I didn't know those things then. And so I think every missionary that goes overseas really should learn all of these things. So hopefully one of these days. But um, when I went overseas, I picked up a bug that got into my kidney. And I had terrible pain. And the doctors for a couple years didn't even know what was going on. They knew there was something wrong. They were pulling stuff out of my, my, my ureter from my kidneys, but could not identify it. I mean, it, it was terrible. They sent it to the CDC and the NIH, I mean, all different labs and things, but couldn't really figure out what was going on until I was finally diagnosed. But until that time, I had kidney pain for years. And I often had Percocets in my pockets or Percodans because that's what the doctors gave me. They would give me so much medication that the pharmacist sometimes wouldn't even, you know, fill the prescription. He's like, I can't do that. You're a young person. These are way too many drugs. And I was very careful taking them. I only took them really if I had to have them. But I was passing stones a lot because of this and just in a lot of pain as a young person. And I, I wasn't sure if I was going to live with this pain the rest of my life. But I remember going to the book, Ministry of Healing, and I would read everything on healing in the Bible because I lost a lot of energy when you're in pain. You just can't think of anything else. And there was a wonderful quote in Ministry of Healing, and I should have it up here one of these days, but it was, if your mind is filled or if you are filled with pain, do nothing. Just relax in my arms, rest in my arms, and I will take care of you, is pretty much the gist of the quote. I'll have to look it up. But it's a beautiful quote out of Ministry of Healing. 
So from that point on, after I read that, I remember thinking, Lord, there is nothing else that I can do. I can't even think straight. I'm in so much pain. So I prayed to him and I said, Lord, I'm just going to imagine resting in your arms. I'm just going to rest in your arms. You created me. You created me with a purpose. I know that. You tell me what you want me to do. Here I am. You do with me what you want. And I just imagine me curled up in his arms. And from that point on, it was like I began to heal. I'd gotten medication, and it still took a long time for things to reverse around. And then that's when I kept getting this thing in my head to go to Weimar. I was like, no, I don't want to. They sent me their big rule book. I was like, no, I won't be able to ever do this. But you know what? When I finally just let go of everything and said, I'm yours, God. You do with me what you want. I started to heal, and God made me well enough that I did finally get to go to Weimar and learn all these things and get on the path of medical missionary work. So you never know, you know, what condition you might be in or what career you might be in. Don't give up hope because God is there to lead and to guide. And so I'm actually thankful that I went through that because would I have gotten into medical ministry? Maybe not. You know, that's a scary thing. So God has a way of leading us into the path that he has for us. And, and I can say now, due to hydrotherapy and all of that, once I went out to Dr. Thomas's in, in my time at Weimar, I'm, I'm now totally pain-free. I have no pain whatsoever. Because even when an organ, you have pain in an organ, all the muscles around it armor it. You know, like an armor, like those knights in the armor, it shields, it shielded my kidney. So all of these muscles became so tense all the time to protect. And, and I, I protected all the time too. When I'd walk, it's like, don't bump into me, don't hug me because you'll hurt me. <laughs> you know, and all my muscles were there to protect. So even when my kidney function was beautiful, no longer did I have that illness, I was still having pain. It was because nobody took care of getting rid of the ischemia and the toxins and all of that stuff in this area and the guarding that our muscles do to protect. Not till I learned deep tissue and my instructor would work on me just a couple times after class, I noticed such a significant difference. He freed up that muscle, got lots of oxygen and nutrition into this whole area here to where I could be pain free. Because you couldn't even touch my skin. It hurt so bad, just my skin. And, and that's part of chronic pain. When you're in pain for a long, long time, a lot of times even your skin is very sensitive. But it's your body protecting itself. So we have to learn how to reverse this process because how many people are having chronic pain, right? And we're going to look at the difference here between different types of pain. You think that hurts? Somebody else was saying they had a sore tailbone today. <laughs> Does it feel like that? <laughs> All right. These things happen, right? Don't ever bike by yourself. <laughs> but yeah, wipeouts happen. Accidents happen. Yeah, and athletes, they get beat up and you wonder, wow. And they get up and they continue on. It's like, ouch. If you take a look at his foot, Yep. So we know what pain is, right? You guys, <laughs> I see you're sympathizing already. 
right? I think this was in the Olympics or something where they, she hit her head. Then there's a picture of her afterwards, her nose is bleeding and everything. But ouch. But people get hurt, right? <laughs> we know what pain is. Is there anybody here that has never experienced pain? You've had babies, right? You know what pain is, right? <laughs> so yeah, a lot of us have been through pain. <laughs> no, no, no pain? <laughs> So pain spasm, pain cycle. It's truly a cycle. And in order to break that, we have to figure out what to do to break this whole cycle. So if you look at here, the initial cause of pain, my mother keeps asking me if I have a pointer. <laughs> I'm like, one of these days, mom. But anyways, and then it goes to unconscious muscle tightening, right? Because, I'm sorry? Oh, may I? That'd be fun. I've never used one before. <laughs> if you toss it, I can catch it. <laughs> oh, is it one of those laser things? Oh, wow. This is heavy duty. What, what do I do? Oh, there it is. Ah, looky there. Okay. So here's our initial cause of pain. And then we have that unconscious muscle tightening. Remember I said the body protects itself, so it armors that area. All these muscles become tight to protect, right? And a lot of times nobody pays attention after the pain is gone. Whether you've had gallbladder pain or whatever else, they don't pay attention to that. Then you end up with the muscle spasm. When a muscle is spasming, it becomes tight, right? Right? Real tight. Can you get a lot of circulation through a tight muscle, right? We have our nerves, we have our lymph, we have our blood supply, right? Put your three fingers up and squeeze. That's a muscle spasm. How much circulation are you getting now? How much of the toxins are leaving through the lymph? How much of your nerve supply are you getting? Not much, right? That is muscle spasm, all right? Then we have the impaired circulation, right, due to the muscle spasm. Then we have not enough oxygen getting to that area and not enough toxins that are being released. So what do the toxins do? They sit there, right? They sit there, and because you don't have enough oxygen, we get what we call ischemia, right? You put a rubber band on your finger really, really tight, in a few days, what's going to happen to your finger? Right? It's going to fall off. It starts turning colors. It'll turn blue. Then you get black and grand green, and, and it's not pretty. And it doesn't smell good either. So insufficient oxygen, increased toxins, and then it's increased stress, even on your whole body. But in that area, then you're afraid to move it. There's de decreased range of motion. So then you start to protect it yourself, and you're not moving it as much. And trigger points, they can collect all along the way here. And we're going to talk a little bit about trigger points, too. And then it just keeps going through the cycle, getting tighter. It might start in a small place, and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger, the whole area. And that's why when we look at pain, at first it tends to be small, and then it, when someone has chronic pain for a long time, they'll say, I have pain in this whole area. They can't just say, this is where I have pain. 
it's this whole area here because it's really spread. Now here are certain pain syndromes that we deal with a lot, fibromyalgia. I know just a couple people that I've talked to here at the conference have fibromyalgia. Whiplash, headaches. You can get a whiplash just tripping and, you know, you don't even have to fall on the ground. But just your head whipping back like that, you can get whiplash. And even going 20, 30 miles an hour in a car and you get hit, that can cause whiplash. Repetitive motion, right? Carpal tunnel, tennis elbow, golf elbow. Pain associated with automobile accidents. Who's never been in an automobile accident? Wow, you guys are lucky. <laughs> but probably what, 80 to 90% of you have probably been in an automobile accident. Muscle imbalance and other connective tissue disorders. So there's all kinds of um, different diseases and conditions. Pain management techniques. Lots and lots of different pain management techniques. We have all the myofascial, we have the neuromuscular, and, and part of trigger point, trigger point actually comes under the neuromuscular, which you guys are going to be learning some of. But there's so many different ways, see, even using the feet here to get into it. If you ever go for a Thai massage, kind of beware, but <laughs> tell them to back off if they need to but a wonderful, wonderful massage. Actually, we have a workshop, is it this weekend, next week? No, next month. No, we have a workshop next month. We have a guy that actually went to Thailand. He studied it here and then went to Thailand. He loved it so much, so he teaches it for a workshop for us. Hydrotherapy, when we're dealing with pain, one of the simple things that you can do after you've had a treatment is to take an Epsom salt bath. How many of you have ever used Epsom salt, right? Good old magnesium sulfate. Magnesium calms your muscles down. Even if you've exercised and you're like one of those weekend warriors, you haven't played soccer for a while, and then you're going to play a whole game with all these young kids, how do you feel the next day, right? You want to decrease that pain by right away take an Epsom salt bath. You want to put in at least three to four cups of Epsom salt. Don't just sprinkle it in your tub. Dump in a good three to four cups. Soak in it as hot as you can. Just soak in it for about 20 minutes. And that helps to release toxins and bring in the magnesium, which really helps to calm your muscles down. So Epsom salt is wonderful. It's not expensive. Even at the 99 cent store, they have it now in like lavender and you know, different, different types of herbal things mixed in with it or the aromatherapy. So, so feel free to use that. Now with pain, we want to find out before we work on someone how much pain they're having. How do we know how much pain a person is having? Can I look at you and say you're having hmm, 0.3 on the scale of pain? You know, can we say that? We have to trust people if they have pain, don't we? It's subjective, which means they have to tell us how much pain that they have. Otherwise, how do you assess pain? Workman's comp, they would love to be able to assess pain, right? All these people, they're paying month after month that claim lower back pain, then they catch them up on the roof and different things like that, right? They would love to be able to measure pain. Take an x-ray and say, look, this is how much pain you have. You're okay, we'll pay you, you know, or whatever. So. Pain assessment is very important. Find out how much pain, where is the pain, what kind of pain. 
You know, we're not going to go real deep into that, but we want to find out a little bit of history. How did you get the pain? What were you doing when you got the pain? And then the outcomes should be measured. After you work on them, do they have more or less pain, right? More or less pain. Now, we said that pain is subjective here. So if you look here at the pain scale, this one with the faces, that's for kids. And now when you go into the hospital, how many have visited anybody in the hospital lately? Do you notice the pain scale up on the wall? Usually above the bed or at the head of the, you know, on the other side of the wall. But it is now considered a vital sign. You take the temperature, blood pressure, pulse, respirations, and pain level. It is now a fifth vital sign. That's how important it is now within the, the um, medical field. So we usually ask adults the numbers, okay? If you're in moderate pain, you're going to say about a six. That means you're really feeling it, you know, you're, it's, it's really making a difference in your life. It's changing your life to be in this. And did you know when a person is in chronic pain, for more than five to six weeks, their personalities already begin to change? Can you imagine that? They start feeling hopeless, right? And there's all kinds of things that go with that. Ten, worst possible pain, right? So if they come in and they say they're in a ten, you know this is severe, severe pain. And usually we start out with hydrotherapy and then very, very light massage and things like that. So, um, so this is the pain scale that we use. So when we're doing trigger point massage, we want the pain or the discomfort when someone presses on there about a six, not to go above a seven, and it should be a hurt so good pain, okay? And we'll talk about that as we go on. Acute pain, it's pain that happens right away. You sprain an ankle, trauma, surgery. You know within maybe five or six weeks, it should fade away and you should be doing a lot better, okay? That's acute pain. Chronic pain is when you've had it for a long time. You've had it more than a couple months now, and it keeps lingering. It might be six months. It might be a year. And this turns into chronic pain. And remember, like we said, it can even change their personality, right? It changes their personality. So chronic pain may be associated with long-term intractable medical condition or disease and rarely resolves itself spontaneously. That means it usually just doesn't go away by itself. They need help. They need you guys, okay? So let's take a look at this, how pain works. Just a simple little thing. We feel pain, right? And it goes right up the nerves to the spinal cord and straight to the brain. So it's just a very simple pathway to feel pain. And as Tanya said too, pain could be a good thing because it's a warning sign for us. The problem with people with leprosy, they lose the feeling, right? And what they used to do is they would lose like parts of their nose or face or their fingers. And a lot of it was because they would squeeze a doorknob and not be able to feel the pressure. And the doorknob would, would squish right into their fingers and they would actually damage their fingers and they would lose parts of their fingers and things like that because they didn't have the pain sensation. If you didn't have pain and just sat on a, you know, or put your hand down on a hot stove, you could burn your hand right off, right? 
if we didn't have pain. So pain is something that God has given us as a warning sign for us. Now, you've probably heard of the gate control theory, and I'd heard of it before, never really understood it. But we know that pain goes to the brain, right? That's, it's the brain that tells us, hey, I'm in pain. Take my hand off the stove or whatever to get out of the pain, move out of the way. Pain fibers are very, very tiny. Our pain fibers that we have that pick up pain are very tiny. Other fibers, such as vibration, touch, pressure, they're large. They're big, bigger nerves, although most of our nerves are quite small, but they're bigger nerves. So our small pain fibers can be overridden by the large fibers by doing things like vibration, just like we did this, you know, or if you touch somebody and you vibrate. And have you seen the TENS units that they wear sometimes? They put on and it just vibrates a little bit. That's to override the smaller nerve fibers. So the brain will read the nerve uh, or the vibration and kind of bypass the pain. So a lot of different things that they use do that. And fortunately, massage does that as well. Massage overrides the smaller pain nerve fibers. All right? The body tells us where to work. It is so neat when you start working on somebody. Remember I said when they have chronic pain, it's very generalized, right? So they may have pain all over their shoulder. But as you work on it, it becomes more pinpointed. So maybe one or two treatments into it, it gets shrinks down and down to where you know exactly where the pain is. Even though the pain doesn't always come from exactly where the pain is, but when we know where the pain is, we could figure out what muscle might be pulling on it and causing it. And Tanya's going to explain a lot more about that to you tomorrow. But pain starts out diffuse, and it gets smaller as we work on it and more specific. So agonist and antagonist muscles. Agonists say we have our biceps muscle here, right? Our antagonist muscle would be, which is the opposite muscle, they're just words for opposites, is our triceps, right? So our biceps bring our arm up because our muscles shorten, and then the triceps extend our arm, all right? Now, which muscle is injured? I'm having pain in my biceps, right? Which muscle is injured? <laughs> it could often be that. Usually it's both. This one is in spasm and in pain. It's ischemic, not getting enough oxygen, all of those things, right? And it's painful. It's the one that's, that's crying out in pain. And then we have this one here. Because this one's so tight, this one's getting stretched. So it's getting continually stretched and loosened up because this one keeps pulling it this way. So they're really both not healthy muscles. So when we look at the body, we always want to look at the opposite muscles because everything in balance, right? And I love how um, Ted Wilson brought that out, that medical ministry is a balanced thing, right? So you can't always look at one end or the other end. And the same thing with muscles. We have to look at the balance. So when somebody has a, a sore muscle, say if it's a 
Your quads here, what's the opposite muscle of your quad? Your quadriceps, right? Your hamstrings, you have to treat them both, okay? You have to treat them both. Here we have, yeah, those same ones. Our quads up here, oh, let me use my pointer. Our quads here, and then our hamstrings. So when one's getting stretched, the other one is, is more in spasm, and it's kind of the opposite. So we need to pay attention to both of them. Anybody know what this muscle is? It's so sad because I've seen people go through massage school and don't even know what this muscle is. It's huge in lower back pain. The sciatic is a nerve that runs through the, the, the back of this area here. Did, I, heard, I heard somebody. The psoas. Good, good. So somebody knows their anatomy. This is our psoas muscle. See this long one here? And this is the iliacus because it's part of the ilium. It's the inside of the ilium. So we call it the iliacus. And a lot of times people call this the iliopsoas because it works together. So this is your iliopsoas. Where on your body do you think that muscle is? Can you point to it? Right? Right in, and it's a deep muscle. Do you see where it connects? Where does it connect onto? To the, to the spine. Is this the upper back or the lower back? Lower back. Right. How many people have lower back pain? Lower back. Right? They go for treatments and they still have lower back pain <laughs> because a lot of times they're not working on the psoas, which keeps pulling on the spine there. So we've learned that the more that you can work on the psoas and get the psoas calmed down, you can actually help to relieve lower back pain. Very simple. And we're going to teach you guys how to do that gently. <laughs> it's a little scary at first, but so good when we get to the lower back part. All right? So remember this muscle. You'll see it again. Okay? So again, what is this muscle? You know how to spell it? It starts with a... P, P-S-O-A-S, your psoas, all right? Anybody know the opposite muscle of the psoas? Oops, I gave it away. The opposite muscle of the psoas, if the psoas is here, what's the opposite muscle? Right, the gluteus. The psoas brings your knees up, right? And the gluteals bring your legs back. Now, for people who get older and think they should not be doing so much anymore, you're going to have troubles getting out of a chair, right? You see that where you push the button and people's chairs lift up? <laughs> because they don't have the strength anymore to get out of their chairs. And part of that is because their glutes and their hamstrings are so weak. So it's important to climb hills, especially the older you get. Climb hills or get on something so you're really working these or rollerblading would be great. <laughs> of course, that's not always the safest as you get older, but, but you want to work those glute muscles and your psoas muscles as well. All right, and then here we see your glute gluteal muscles. We have three of them. We have the gluteus maximus, which is the big one. We have the medius, right? Nurses know that because that's where we give the shots. 
because the sciatic nerve runs down through here and you never want to give a shot in the sciatic nerve. And then we also have the minimus, which is kind of deeper and in underneath there. All right? And you'll be working, or at least, you know, we'll, we'll probably be working that a little bit. Because I have had people that, they're starting to get a little bit old. I used to work on a lot of elderly people out in Palm Springs area, Palm Desert, and they were athletes in their 70s and 80s. And they were still winning medals and tennis and different things like that and biking and very active and they wanted to stay young and active. So I loved working on them. And it didn't matter how, what age these people are, giving gentle therapy such as trigger point, you can free someone's hip up from pain within five or 10 minutes. And I remember just, we had one of my guys that I used to work with, his sister came into town, and she woke up with some type of a hip pain. And the doctor said, oh, you know, your x-rays show that you have arthritis. You better not do any more exercise. And here, take these pills. So she was really discouraged, and she was visiting her brother at the time and said, you know, I don't know what to do. i got to get rid of this hip pain, because if I stop exercising every day, I am going to really be in troubles. So... She was very reluctant to get massage therapy. So I said, you know what, just give me a few minutes. So I just pulled up her, I guess she had a little dress on or something, and was wearing her nylons, and just did a few little trigger points all in her hip area. And the next day, maybe even by that afternoon, she was fine and she was out exercising again. But you know, it's a shame that the doctors do that. Of course, the older you get, you're going to have arthritis. You are going to show maybe you have a slip disc, but that's not usually the problem. A lot of people have arthritis and slip disc, and they do just fine. You know, so that's not always the case. So you can help people. Wait, wait, wait till you learn a little trigger point, and you can help so many conditions. So trigger point therapy used to diffuse small muscle spasms or kinks that cause pain. Theoretically, they don't even know really what a trigger point is. They've got lots of theories about it, but we know that by pressing on some place, we can actually relieve the pain from a muscle and make them more mobile. And uh, there was a gal, her name was Bonnie Pruden, that worked with Dr. Travell back in the days when they used to inject trigger points. So the doctors used to do it. And somebody would, like Bonnie Pruden at the time, she would hunt down, feel on the client, say, oh, there's a trigger point. You can feel it. You hit it, and it radiates pain. So she would put a little X there. And then she'd pass them on to Dr. Travell, who would inject them with saline or something like that, inject that trigger point. And a lot of times, the pain would go away. So one day, Bonnie was doing her usual job, and she pressed on a trigger point, and, um, and it really hurt this one gal. But they were talking. <laughs> You know how women do, right? So, so they were talking about something, and, um, and the lady's like, hey, that pain went away. Because she didn't take the, the thumb pressure off, she kept it on there, and she's like, oh. So it's like serendipity, right? We, we see things that happen, it's like, hey, let me try this on my next client. So instead of sending them off to Travel for the injection, she would hold them. She would hold them and let them fade away. And so they're like, huh. So if you want to read a really cool book, it's called Pain Erasure by Bonnie Pruden. And she has all these mappings of trigger points. And you can probably just go on to Amazon.com. I think she's got two books. One's Pain Erasure. I don't remember the name of the other. 
pain erasure. Yeah, to erase. Pain erasure. But you look up Bonnie Pruden, P-R-U-D-D-E-N. I remember I loved her book after I got out of massage school. I read all through. Just amazing stuff. And then I went to see her at a workshop. And here, I didn't know she was already like 80 years old or something. I was expecting this young person. She comes out in her little jogging suit. and you know. But amazing things that you can do with just trigger point massage. When I first learned trigger point, I remember going back home to Pennsylvania. And I'd be so excited what I learned in massage. I'd take my table with me on the, on the plane or through the luggage. And, uh, and I'd work on anybody I could. I'd tell them at church, set up, you know, if you can give me a room, I'll work on anybody just for donations. So that's what they would do. And they would get these people all lined up for me to work on. And it was so much fun, you know, just having different people come and working on them for pain. And there was this one lady, she was at home. I was actually visiting her at her house and had severe pain in, in her back, kind of in her middle back. And she says, I had to take two days off work. This pain is still driving me crazy. And so I was like, hey, let me just do a little bit. Let me check you out here. I did maybe one or two trigger points in her back. And the next day she was at church, thrilled. No more back pain, no more... You know, so after a while you start learning, it's like, oh, okay. Even people that have gotten cramps that are into sports that get calf cramps all the time, cramps in their glutes, one treatment, and they'll come back to me months later and say, I've never had that pain again. That pain never came back again. So, and I thought, wow, this is just too simple, too easy. <laughs> you know, and it really is. So the thing is, is you want to find the main trigger point. Because what you could have is a whole bunch of little points everywhere, just like the stars. But then there's one that's bigger than all the rest that will take care of the pain. So part of massage and part of the fun part is investigation, right? We get to investigate. Check it out. It's like, which is the sorest one? Which is the one that's really radiating pain? Oh, yeah, that's a pain. I feel it shooting up to my neck or I feel it shooting down my arm. Then you know you're on a good one, right? So that's the one that you want to hold. You want to get the matrix. You don't want to play around with all the tiny ones. Otherwise, you'll be forever, you know, trying to help people get out of pain. And then you slowly apply the pressure with your thumb or your elbow. I'm just showing you the elbow. Be careful with that one. But if you're in the glutes deep, sometimes you need the elbow. But normally, you're using your thumb. Or this cool thing here we have called the thumb B. So you can save your thumb. And this actually will stay up on the wall. This one's kind of old. I've used it for demonstrations for a while. But you can stick it to the wall. And if you have a point here, like if you're having sciatic pain or something, want to get these muscles on the side, you can just lean against it like that. Or if you have pain in the middle of your back, you just stick it up on the wall and lean on it. Or you have a friend, just use it. Here, I'll pass it around, and you guys can check it out. What's that? But, but it's the thumb bee, so it's in place of your thumb. So where you that from? What's that? Where you get it from? We sell it at the school. Um, you could probably find it online under thumbbee.com or something. Two bees, T-H-U-M-B-B-Y.com. It's a newer thing that's just come out. Yeah, just Google thumb bee. But it's a wonderful thing because it saves you and you can do a lot of self stuff with it. And then 
we want to slowly apply the pressure till it hurts so good. Once we've applied the pressure, we keep it right there, okay? Here's the level where it hurts, right? Right there. We stop. And then we want it to be about a level six, right? So once you're down to six here, you hold it right there and you have them breathe, right? We talked about breathing. Have them breathe and relax. Then you ask them, is it fading away? And most of the time they're going to say, yes, it's fading away. So you ask them, what on the pain scale is it now? And they'll say, oh, it's about a two or three. And you're like, okay. So you don't back up. You go in just a little bit further till it's back up to about a six. And then you have them breathe again. And they'll be like, are you sure you're not lifting your thumb up? <laughs> because that's what it feels like to them. But actually, the, um, you can even feel sometimes a little spasm jump underneath your thumb. Or you can feel it just kind of melt away. So you hold it, and then they'll be like, oh, yeah, it's back down to a two or three. One more time, you apply pressure again. So I'm going to apply just a little bit more pressure till it gets back up to a six. If it doesn't, then you don't worry about it. That means you've gotten to the level of it. And you don't go beyond three times usually. And then after it's back down to a two or three, you slowly come out of it. And usually you'll just do like little circles. Slowly come out of it, massage it a little bit, and then see how they're doing. And a lot of times they'll be like, wow, you know, they can get their range back. They feel so much better. They're not all that miraculous. Some of them, you know, aren't going to feel it till maybe a day later because now you've got circulation going in there. And it takes a while for the body to heal. So get the toxins out, get the circulation in there, and the body will heal. So we want it. This is a little hurt-so-good puppy. <laughs> and you guys know what it feels like. It's kind of like, yeah, it hurts, but it's like, oh, but it still hurts good. Do you know that feeling? So trigger point therapy, ask if there's any radiation, right? When you're on it, is the pain going down? Is it going up? Are you feeling it move anywhere? That's what we mean by pain radiation. So you can hit some spots in there, and that's a good spot, your infraspinatus right there. See that? There's a muscle that sits on there, and, and uh, you can hit any of those points. And a lot of times people are, have uh, trigger points right in there too. And a lot of times people don't know they have trigger points. If they're painful, you can get rid of them before they ever even have a problem. See, and a lot of people say, oh, it was the cold on my neck, it was, I slept wrong. Well, it's because you had a trigger point there for a while, but something aggravated it, and then that's what caused your pain. So that's why when we do massage, we're always looking for trigger points as we're going along, release them before they even cause the problem. Those are latent trigger points before they cause the problem. Okay, and then this is like trigger point to the gastrocnemius. A lot of athletes have trigger points right in the middle of their calf. And they end up getting cra cramps every time, you know, in their calves when they're playing or afterwards. You can take care of it just by this. I've worked on soccer players and different people, and they're like, it's never come back again. Yeah, we used to play ultimate frisbee. And um, I remember with one, our coach, I actually did this too. And she, she was just like, 
told me a year later she never had pain again in her calves. Every time after a game, she'd get cramps. So we did that, and I just worked on her right on the field, <coughs> lay down in the, the um, grass there, and it never came back again. So anyways, that's, um, oops, we can finish that up. So trigger point massage. What's a trigger point? Right? Just a little muscle spasm or something. Can you feel a trigger point? Yes. You normally can because it's a little bit firm. It may be a little round, like a little pea-sized thing. It may be bigger, like a big knot that's full of a lot of trigger points. So, but for the most part, you don't feel it. All right? So we're going to, we still have just a few more minutes. What I'd like for you to do is find an area here that's common in trigger points. Most of you probably work on computers on a mouse. So whichever mouse finger, whichever finger you, you use, choose that arm, and you come down from your elbow right in this area here. Any tenderness. Kind of feel with your fingers if there's any tenderness. Yes? You have some? You feel some close to your elbow there? So find the most tender spot. And we're going to quickly do a trigger point on yourself, just so you know how it feels before we set you loose on anybody else. <laughs> okay, so you find that point, and now we're gonna put some pressure on there. When you put pressure, do you feel any tingling or anything radiating down your arm? Try to relax it as much as possible. When you hit it, is anybody feeling any pain radiate? No, no, you guys don't? Okay, here's one. Okay, so you feel it. Where is it radiating to? Down, down my arm to my fingers. Down, okay, so down the arm to the fingers. You feel it too? So we're going to hold it there, bring it up to close to a six, a five or six. Kind of a hurt so good, right? And then breathe and relax. And it's harder to do it on yourself than other people because you have to really be relaxed. Is anybody feeling the tenderness go away? Yeah? So the tenderness is going away. You still have the same pressure, right? But the tenderness is going away. All right? So we wait till it gets down to maybe a two or three, and then we go just a little bit deeper. Now, you don't have that many layers of muscles in your arms, so maybe you can only go a couple times. And can you feel it when you press more, that, that it's a little more pain? Brings it up on the scale. Yeah? Good. And are you having any radiation? Just a little bit of tingling or something? Uh-huh. Okay. So how does it feel? Has it calmed back down again? Down to like a two or three. Good. And then we're going to come out of it slowly, little circles, nice and slow. And then we massage it a little bit. And a lot of times you'll have a little red spot there to show that you've really brought some circulation into the area. Then we work the muscles a little bit, help it feel better, and that's it. And then you can, hopefully you feel better because these muscles connect into your fingers. All right? So, good. So you kind of have an idea of kind of a trigger point because it goes through layers of muscles. So sometimes you've got trigger points in more layers than one. So that's why we'll go down 
two, three. You don't have to go down the three, but to get it completely gone, so that way you may never have that problem again, you know, unless you're doing the same thing over and over. So, okay, and, and you'll, we'll be using more of these techniques as we go along, but I want you to have a good basis for it. This media was produced by Audioverse for the NAD Health Summit. If you would like to learn more about the NAD Health Summit, please visit www.nadhealthsummit.com or if you would like to listen to more free online sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.